All right. <laughs> question time? Uh, not question time. We got to do the intro first. Intro time. Oh, intro time. Intro time. How do we? How do we intro? I don't know. Well, the way we intro is that we welcome our listeners to the Mock Stars podcast, the number one Pe- podcast on the internet for Magic Gathering. Uh, Doctor Pepper, your mates. Oh, mm, I won't um, forget Doctor Pepper this time. Yeah, we do. talk about all those things. We mentioned our link tree, which you can check out below. Uh, like, subscribe, comment. Um, we can mention the merch we got coming. We can mention um, iTunes, leave a five-star review. Uh, man, we're available on every podcast platform. We can mention that we have really sick playmats for sale. We can mention that we are going to be streaming live from the Mockstar studio coming soon. We got it all set up. We just got to dial some things in. Um, we can mention all those things. I mean... We can go from top or just cut it and let's go. And we're back. All right. (laughs) Today we are finishing our Lord of the Rings set review. On our last episode, we talked about all the colors in the color pie. And now we are once again going to talk about all the colors in the color pie, but on multicolor cards. And then also we're going to talk about none of the, none of the colors in the color pie on colorless cards. I thought you were going to say nunless. Nunless. Nonetheless, we relent and onward. I think I'm having a stroke. Someone else start talking. <laughs> we are your hosts of the Five Stars Podcast. I am Evan Kunai. And the guy who gave such a glorious intro is Christopher Ritter. Howdy. I'm back. And we've got Jordan Garcia here. Yo, what's up? I'm also here. In the, uh, what seat are you in? Are you in the, like, first seat? First seat. He is going first in turn order, and we have pregame actions. Jordan, pregame actions? Anything? Uh, no, mostly because we didn't discuss that. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Got him. Evan, I think you have a pregame action. You have a question you want to ask me on air? I do. I will exile a card from my hand and I will ask you a question on the air. Okay. Is it true that you bought two Lord of the Rings gift bundles? I did. Slander. Yeah. No, I... I bought two, maybe three? Maybe three. I, I don't know how many I have on the way. But yeah, yeah. Uh, right. at minimum two. I have a follow-up maximum question. Three. Yeah. My brother, William Rule, mm-hmm. has a request. Yeah. For one of the dice in your gift bundle, he collects the dice. So this is another aspect of the game and its collectible status. Uh, he collects every single dice ever made. Okay. Uh, and he was wondering if he could have one of your dice. Absolutely. $50. $50. Do- anything's available funny for is, a price. <laughs> funny thing is, some of those dice cost that much. Including this one, $50. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. For you sure. heard it here first, Willie. I, if We will discuss market conditions at such time uh, as, as the trade happens, but yeah, totally available. Awesome. I also have a ley line in my hand because I have another pregame action. What's up? Did you guys see... That yesterday, uh, Gavin Verhey and the uh, Rules Committee for Commander had said that there are no immediate changes to the format as far as bans go, but they are keeping their eye on two cards. One, Merkwood Bats, and two, Orcish Bowmasters. I think you uh, describing the situation and the order you describe those cards just illustrates how just 
silly this whole situation is uh, and, and how willy-nilly run around out of control people are. This guy is falling over Orcish Bowmasters. I feel vindicated slightly. Yeah, because you know what? I, I, I feel like Orcish Bowmasters is as banworthy as Merkwood Bats right now. And right, Merkwood isn't that Bats funny? is a 4CMC uh, enabler of fringe strategies. I have no idea what Merkwood Bats is. Um, anytime a token uh, is created under sacrifice sacrifice specifically yep okay anytime a token uh is sacrificed on your control each opponent loses one life or target opponent loses one life it's each opponent yep each opponent yeah regardless it yeah, is that's pretty good four c and you attached gain, to a four cmc a one one flyer or some some shit like that i mean you mentioned it in yeah. the review already last week oh yeah it's pretty bad right <laughs> no you said it was good it is good <laughs> it's a good card oh good. yeah i mean we're talking like i was thinking like corvold and stuff like there's some like loops you can definitely oh do, for sure but, good mm-hmm. things you can do with it but, but like banworthy wait, out of wait, the gate format what world is this banworthy like yeah what, where, what are we worried about well the conversation is that they're worried about dockside and then it's like well oh wouldn't ban, we dockside. ban dockside yeah yeah because this is clearly not the banworthy card so because it's like well then, oh, yeah, you dockside your- for 20 treasures like okay you should already have won the game okay so what chris said yeah if we're talking about merkwood bass then orchestra masters like we what is still on? yet to be seen but they have their eye on it great i also don't think it- blue trees should be banned so fucking ca- catch me outside <laughs> <laughs> twin flame instant combo yeah fuck yeah why not I don't know. We have, uh, I mean, what? Thassa's Oracle. Was it not there's with every other companion, companion when we did Yeah, there's it. plenty yeah. of other one-card combos in the command yeah. zone. Right. We had yeah. three more mana as a companion, so. Even at this point, yeah. does Flash need to be banned? Uh, Yes. Okay. Or Flash Hulk still. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Yeah, because four-color Aragorn would actually be good if Flash was still there. Ooh, that's a little preview of a conversation we'll have later, I guess. Yeah. How bad is Aragorn? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, uh, so yeah. uh, let's get right into let's it. Let's get fucking rocking, boys. Yeah. Okay. First card up. Chris, what you got for me, dog? Uh, I, I don't know. Should we start with just like the box toppers? We were just... Yeah, let's talk about them. It's not the new content, so I, I feel like we should but just like talk about how, how sweet they are, uh, how they're all cool art. Schmexy. Schmexy. Mm-hmm. For sure, Schmexy. Um, yeah, I mean, they are, especially if you want to get deep into some like thematic decks out of this lord of the ring content true it adds a bunch of cool cards in there they call that vorthos Uh, vorthos Vorthos if you're you're vorthosing it's you will get your rocks off for sure yeah there's a few things to note here with these box stoppers before we actually talk about the cards themselves they come in three different printings there is the non-foil there's a standard foil and there's a surge foil. Those are rookie numbers. Got to get those numbers up, right? Yeah, we yeah. need 21 different variants three for different sure. Variants for these box yeah. copies, ridiculous. Yeah. So, we need Elish Norn numbers. <laughs> yes, please, Wizards of the Coast, you're fucking up. So, thing being is that uh, these box toppers come in 0.7 percent of collectors packs. That's that mm-hmm. is apparently the the print rate. Mm-hmm. So, uh, getting a foil one even more rare, and getting a surge foil even more rare than that and so they're saying that to get a surge foil there's actually it's basically the same as getting a serialized card that is how many there are yeah uh the one card i'm really trying to pick up is a foil gemstone caverns but it's that uh you know the altar whatever uh the paths of the dead yeah we could start there the uh glittering caves of aglarond yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm looking at cavern souls. Lost. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> Ag- Aglorant. Again, Vorthos wise, like 
Mina Smorgel being Cabal Coffers, so cool, so on point, like, just the choices they made here, even, like, Horizon Canopy being Bag End, you love yes. that. The Buckleberry Fairy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yes. When they run the from the Prancing Pony. Yeah. 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 Oh like, man, it's just good stuff. I I don't I don't know if I mentioned this. I'm a huge dork for Lord of the Rings. Like uh, when you bought how much product before it? A lot of it. <laughs> a lot of it, man. Guys, you don't understand that the Silmarillion and the Unfinished Tales were were there for me when girls weren't. <laughs> so <laughs> so we are deep into Vorthos when it comes to the Lord of the Rings set. I love uh, it. Uh, this gemstone caverns, by the way, as the uh, glittering caves of Aglarond as the surge foil. I think it was looking about $700 last I saw. Yeah, I put a restock notice on Card Kingdom. I put one in, and less than an hour later, they sent me an email with it restocked at $250, and I clicked on it, and it was already sold. Like, Damn. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm trading in and holding on to that store credit so that I can like potentially purchase one of That's these. That's what I really would like to pick up from this whole set. Oh, man. One of those yeah. baddies. What about the Dead Marshes? The reskinned Urborg Tomb of Yawgmoth? Yes. Which is... Uh, it's just and beautiful. the cabal coffers too. Like love yeah, to see it. but like just the flavor of that, like the dead marshes, feels like everything is a swamp. It yeah. just makes sense True. to me. Yep, and Helm's Deep being like Ishinka is like actually very flavorful um, too, because like the pay one red target legendary creature gains first strike until end of turn at the like the very end of the battle when they are like trapped within that last chamber and they run out just like horse up and just stampede through the hordes of orcs and chase them out into the forest like name a more fitting ability for that like first strike they just surprise attacked them and just mm-hmm. charge their way through so like the glittering caves of aglaron too is another port or like point in the story that they don't even describe in the movies and i was so sad because when i read through the books and they finished the battle at helm's deep and they're like Oh, yeah. And Gimli's like, oh, yeah, the most beautiful minds in the world actually exist there. Like, and he's talking to Legolas and he's just like, when we're done and we're done doing this with the whole ring thing, I want to take you there and I want to show you what this is like because it's the most beautiful thing in the world. And I think they actually did it like so like it's so beautifully done and it's so fitting for Gemstone Caverns because of how powerful the card is, how iconic Mm -hmm. the card is. And it just, yeah. I just want to see that shit. Really well done. I think yes. gonna, the art is going to look great in foil. Uh, all, right. all right. Any other box toppers you want to just uh, drool over, I think? Uh, I'm ready to move I on. mean, there's some really valuable reprints here. Yeah. Uh, the Thorn of Amethyst being Shards of uh, Narsil. The thing is, this is, these are cards that for a long time were $15 or more. And now we're seeing them in foil, The char- or like the Thorn of Amethyst, is $6 right now. So get out. These are like great value. The Sword of the Animus has always been an expensive card ever since uh, Sword of Hearth and Home was printed. Sword of the Animus has seen like less play, mm. but hey, Sword of the Sword of Hearth and Home is also getting a reprint here, so yep. you got your choice. Sword of the Animus is actually sub ten dollars now, uh, so you actually have quite a few choices here amongst the box toppers to get uh, stocked up on staples for your decks, whether it be low, mid, or high power. I think there's range of outcomes for all of them. And, uh, yeah, get on it while you can get on it while the set is cheap and the res- like the amount of cards out there in the market are flooded. Yeah. I, I mean, a lot of people are going to be until that one ring, the one of one ring gets opened. The market is just going to flood with this product. Totally. People sure. are going to be opening lots of packs. You're going to get selling all back. Yep. 
You're going to get those singles, baby. So I can turn and burn and buy more boxes and get the one ring. There we go. Uh, let's just talk about the lands. I, I like this legendary land cycle. I think we mentioned previously uh, Mount Doom, the Shire, uh, Barad-dûr, Minas Tirith, Mines of Moria, and Rivendell, as well as the Grey Havens belong in that conversation. Uh, that whole cycle, potentially playable. Yeah, I think these are really interesting. Uh, anytime you have... Uh Utility lands or multicolor lands that enter untapped, it's worth consideration. Yeah, uh, people are talking about Mount Doom and World Gorger. Yes, uh, awesome little outlet for that. I imagine any of the Evelyn decks are going to be including that or yeah, adding that in for sure. It's just a nice little uh, additional redundancy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Rivendell, is, I, I think we mentioned before, it's a strict upgrade over Castle Vantress. Uh, the Shire is hot if you're like me, building food strategies right now. If you're on Samwise Gamgee, uh, the Shire goes right in there. Um, in my head, the white one, Minas Tirith, is just the best. It like, reads like it's the best one. I, I mean, it's a card low, draw. Yeah. Such a low barrier for entry. It is one in a white and tap to draw a card. Only if you attack attacked with two or more creatures this turn, which is just so easy. Well, I mean, if you're in white, you're attacking with creatures, probably. Most yeah. likely. I would say that uh, Mines of Moria maybe is not so great in EDH because it's competing with Breach um, in terms it of does. exiling from your graveyard. It will never be competitive. Yeah. Like, I don't think it has that power. Mm-hmm. Like, it's great to sit down at the kitchen table and play with it mm-hmm. because, like, in those middle turns as you get into the late game, this is great because it's, like, stockpiling mana. I think it's great in mono red and standard, probably. Yeah. Like, there's probably a deck that is just going to love that and it's going to, you know... Or uh, modern. Uh, yeah, uh, modern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. would play it. Oh, yeah. Maybe. Oh, yeah, because they don't, they don't play Breach at all. So... Two Treasures. Yeah. Um, I... The funny thing is about all these lands, they're all sub three dollars right now. Um yeah, I, I don't know if uh I feel like the land cycles tend to get disrespected. Yeah, except for um, Mount Doom. Mount sense. Doom is a little bit yeah, more, right. but but they usually build up over time as people see like the value in them. Mm. They're they're not the chase out the gate kind of cards. Yeah. People need to see how easy it is to proc these. I think that because, like, when we were introduced to legendary sorceries with uh, Dominaria, we were sort of confused at their power because you had to control a legendary creature in order to, like, cast them. Uh, And so this just, it doesn't have that restriction as far as the activate ability. It's just, do I want to activate that ability this turn? Like, Mm -hmm. can I wait a second? Do I need to activate this ability right now um it's great if i do have a legendary creature because it gives me mana that's ready and available or an activated ability that i can use commander these gonna be great yeah i think modern these gonna be great because guess what if you're playing in modern you're probably playing ragavan in some form (laughs) shape or form so lands that do shit are really good in modern is what i've learned yeah so if you can somehow generate one red mana play ragavan and then play this land and generate more value uh, Hammer Time probably wants to see, mm-hmm. you know, we'll probably see some of this, some of these played. You know what? I didn't mention uh, the other named non-basic uh, when I rattled off the other ones earlier, but now that I'm rereading it, Shire Terrace, also pretty good. It's an upgraded Evolving Wilds. It yeah. can produce mana, so it's not a dead card if you're not using, using it to filter your land right away. Um, and then you just pay one and search for your basic lands on a future turn. Yeah, it completely replaces all of the panoramas. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, if you ever wanted to like play a panorama, play the Shire Terrace now. Just yeah, a strict upgrade. Yeah, just like a very like low key uh, push. Yeah, I don't think Baradur is like that great. Like, I think it's great if you want to create a blocker for three mana. 
Um, I, yeah, no, it's it's for sure not great. I I think there's some potential with an amass strategy, but even there, I feel like any amass strategies, you're getting that effect incidentally. I mean, they're just vanilla. It's not creatures. the main thing. This essentially doing. reads yeah. three and taps of four essential mana. Oh, right. To create a one one that is replacing when a creature died, right? So I'm thinking of a sacrifice strategy where you sacrifice your creature and you pay three mana to replace your creature for more fodder. Doesn't seem that bad to me. And then even if you have if you have an army, then it's just putting plus one plus one counters on something. Yeah. So if you can like somehow warp that orc to become like unblockable or something like that, or play in as t- play into a token strategy, I think that it could be good there. It'd fit really well. Yeah, I don't think it's dead. Just needs to find a home. Right. All right. I'm ready to move on to more colorless cards, i.e. the artifacts. Okay, Woo! let's go. I would like to what talk about, I think we have to speak about the one ring, both because we're talking about the Lord of the Rings set, and also it actually might be viable in pretty much all of Commander. So let's talk about it. It's really good. It. Yeah, it's it's a sick card draw engine. The, it is. The rate is incredible once you get some counters on there. Yeah, so it is a four generic mana for a legendary artifact, indestructible. When it enters the battlefield, if you cast it, you gain protection from everything until your next turn. At the beginning of your upkeep, you lose one life for each burden counter on the one ring. Then you tap it, put a burden counter on the one ring, then draw a card for each burden counter on the one ring. That's pretty crazy. It's a lot of words. Uh, it just is like a draw engine that is... Probably the best valued colorless draw engine that I can think of uh, that will just slowly but surely grow out of control if left unattended. Yeah, and if you start untapping that bad boy, you are going to rip cards off the top of your deck. So easy. Keep in mind that the life you're losing only occurs during your upkeep. Correct. It's not like Necropotence where like you're paying that one life to get that every card every time. time or anything. You so, could draw 30 cards in one turn and then never have to see your next upkeep. Yeah. Well, we talked about that mono blue legendary creature last time on the on the previous episode, where like it can untap legendary permanence. Uh, uh, yeah, that watcher in the name. deep. No, no, no it's uh, it's the only I- I- it's the healer. I- I- <laughs> yeah, Edith or whatever. I remember last week's episode. Yeah, we're listeners of this podcast that we make. It is Irith of the Healing House. Untap another target permanent. Untap two other target legendary creatures. There you go. For sure. Yeah. Right there. So uh, the rate here is that if you do not go with untapped Sheenans, you can actually draw six cards and lose three life. That's the rate by tapping it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. So basically, turn you play it, tap it, draw a card. Goes to your turn, you lose one life, you tap it, draw two cards. Go back to your turn again, lose two life. Tap, tap it. it, draw three cards. You've drawn six cards, lost three life. For four mana. For four mana. In colorless, that is an extremely good rate. Yeah, yes. if you're in a color that doesn't already have great card draw effects. Uh, I think a lot white, of the time, for example, even, red, for example. A lot mm-hmm. of times I think we you could say this otherwise, especially if you have any synergies outside of that. Like any of them tapping, any artifact synergies, like why wouldn't you? Like, uh, you know, Felden decks, Osgear decks, uh, the white mono white guy. Hey, if you're proliferating. Adding burning counters. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Drawing like this probably does find a home in OG Atraxa decks, or at least like middle tier ones. I feel like we're always talking about uh, Flux Channeler and how underplayed that card is. Like we're just waiting to find out what stupid ass counter can I just go bing, 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 (laughs) bing, and really pop off. This might be it. You know, this is something to think about. Yeah, because it just draws you a million cards. Yeah. Tap it once. You know, oh, it's just a, I'm just drawing a card, guys. Next time I'm going to draw two cards. Big deal. (laughs) Yeah. And then you have some like manifold key nonsense, and then you're just 
like, oh, I'll uh, play the one ring, tap it, draw a card, play manifold key, and then proliferate that, activate manifold key, untap it, cast another card, three yep. counters, tap. Yeah. So that's not unrealistic. You're right. Like, Flux Channeler could be that enabler. To like make this or tons of other things just will happen to make this even better than it already is when on its face it's pretty damn good yeah pretty hot on it it's a great card to be the face card of the set yeah i totally. think they did a good yeah. job without it being like too crazy probably. although who knows it might be a jester's cap situation with ice age you know mm-hmm. where over time maybe maybe oh we're we're definitely gonna flex this out eventually yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah that's just the progression of the game we got to be able to sell cards we're gonna have one mana colorless mr Kramars coming up here pretty quick okay let's talk about uh speaking of card draw let's talk about file of galadriel two colorless legendary artifact if you draw a card while you have no cards in hand draw two cards instead if you gain life while you have five or less life, you gain twice that much life instead. You can tap it to add one mana of any color. Sorry, it costs three colorless, but that first line of text is what I'm hot on. Drawing cards while you have no cards in hand, you draw an extra card. So, you know, uh, for example, wheels, you're now getting eight cards versus everyone's seven cards. Sure, that's oh, actually... interesting. That is... A cool way to look at it. I never really thought about that. But you draw nine, no? Because you draw the two off the first trigger and then the other six? Uh, no, because you, you draw right. cards. Under the rules of magic, you draw cards one at a time. So it sees the first trigger. You're getting that extra card, and then you're getting the other six cards one at a time. Right. So you would draw the first card, and you would... You get eight cards. Okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Instead. It says instead, boys. Okay. Um, I think nobody wants to pay three mana for a rock anymore these days. Mm-hmm. That said, I really have been kind of back my brain, really appreciating these uh, chaotic decks that just strive to discard everybody's hands mutually and then find a way to thrive through it. Mostly I'm thinking of Rog, uh, Rograg Tavesh, mm-hmm. where they want to uh, do like those polymorph effects into a Sire of Insanity. That was my first thought with this, was like, a Sire of Insanity deck like really yeah. loves this. Yeah, 100%. You know? Right? Like You're like, yeah, we are always without a hand, all of us. And then all of a sudden, I get two, and, <laughs> and like that's just another way to start breaking that parity, and I think that's kind of fun. Yeah, I think they're really starting to like... They're working with how to make three mana rocks playable because really you testing. can't you can't make more two mana rocks. Can't make more one or zero mana rocks either. For Ex- sure. Exactly. Yeah, what keeps up with arcane signet? If that they would have to print, it would be terrifying. Yeah. And so now we're looking at it. I thought the Celestis might be part of that, like moving in that direction because it inherently has looting, a looting a passive looting effect on. Yeah. It. Right. So I thought, oh hey, they're actually creating three mana rocks that make me want to like play like i can yeah and i can instigate the day or night trigger and draw and discard you know so with a certain amount of mana now we're looking at very like this is just static ability stapled to this that allow me to like actually break parity without doing much Mm -hmm. so uh we're moving in the right direction does this i don't know if it it requires a build around i think like if you're inherently doing things like siren sandy rock like that polymorph effect this i've i've I think like, it's worth testing. Yeah, I think it's worth See how testing much juice for sure. It has. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like for three mana, without effect, where ever you get two cards and everyone else just gets one, you will eventually break parity and and win the game. Uh, another one I want to talk about is Stone of Eric, one mana legendary artifact. If a creature an opponent controls would die, exile instead, and then it has a second ability. Two, tap it, sack it, exile target player's graveyard, draw a card. Oh, that's just so good. Yeah. Such a good stacks piece. Just wow. a one-sided stacks piece. Um, if for some reason you want to keep 
your graveyard active, for example, Savine's Reclamation. Play this over uh, Rest in Peace. I think, yeah, um, this is also a one-mana rock that you can bounce yep. with, uh, like, your Holebreaker Horror combos, you know, between Soul Ring and this. Mm-hmm. There's just inherently a lot of synergies in the artifact world, you know? You For can, sure. You can have this, have take the advantage of exiling everything, and then, you know, later turn it, like... Uh, what is it? Uh, Transmute artifacted into the Wincon, you know, those cool. kind of things. Yeah, find it with Urza Os- Saga. Oswald probably loves this fucking card. Totally. Yeah, it just allows you to start building towards your game or your win condition. Yeah. Um, I think it's really, really cool. And I think it's another thing similar to the other covers talking about where it's just like, it's the, the commons, uncommons, where we're starting to see just like this like pushing of like similar mechanics that are not like the legendary mythic status. We're not seeing like crazy big bombs, but it's more like, just good value pieces that are going to get plugged into a lot of decks and probably take a lot of cards out of decks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm wait- still waiting to see like the next Stony Silence effect. Like this is um, like actually hoses certain strategies and like to make a rare or mythic card, they feel like they need to staple four or five lines of text onto it. Mm-hmm. No, it's actually totally reasonable to print one line of text on a card for one mana and it be incredibly powerful yeah what's mm-hmm. that lantern that this reminds me of? i'm thinking soul guide lantern soul guide lantern like this, oh, is, yeah. this is another soul guide lantern yep. type effect um it draws you a card when it can trips uh but it has just this great static ability too which soul guide lantern does not have mm-hmm. uh, so you're almost in when that you're kind of put into this weird like political play situation of when do you pop it and stuff and people play around that where now this is just dead static exile effect and i think that's really good yeah i think with the growth in food strategies like cauldron familiar with samwise gamgee Mm -hmm. this might actually see play in magda um like those builds that want to like start playing more staxy because the strategies have been figured out and they're easily counter like you can counteract them pretty easily uh but if you played this right you can actually stop that food combo from ever existing so get rid of that cold from familiar it's gone forever mm-hmm. um you can actually fetch this out and just stop combos from happening which i think is actually really hot so i, I think this does see play yeah uh for sure um i don't really have any other artifacts i got to talk about like yeah. i don't love any of the equipment are you about to mention one of them yep yes i am okay let's talk about mithril coat okay it's pretty good i think it's pretty good and it's like a it's a commander card you know let's talk about it it's three colorless Legendary Artifact Equipment. It's got Flash, Indestructible. Whenever it enters the battlefield, attach it to target Legendary Creature you control, and then Equipped Creature has Indestructible. It also has Equipped for three. Um, I think just a Flash three mana protection spell. We play a lot of those. Not a lot of those, but in you know EDH, we like to have those effects. You know, I'm thinking of like a Heroic Intervention type effects. Okay. This is a colorless one of those that then lends to uh, future protection as well. So I would pay the additional one mana that I'm I about what I'm used to. I don't know. I view this card as a third copy of your Lightning Greaves or Swiftfoot Boots, and it is definitely not as good. It's one more mana than either of them. It doesn't provide the hexproof slash shroud that protects against exiling effects, bounce effects, things like that. You're just so jaded because our entire pod plays grotesque amounts of removal well yeah I, and as right they should be. as, as right you should <laughs> i just don't I, I feel like the spot that it would take in a deck is a third copy of those cards and there's already functional third copies of those cards that don't see play yeah i agree so unless you're on the legendary artifact or the legendary synergy or you are really going hard on maybe playing uh Frodo determined hero is that the mono white one that gets things you want to be Vorthosi 
um, I just don't feel like there's a space for it uh, in even in high powered CDH. This high powered EDH, you know. Yeah, this you. this to me uh, just single handedly takes the place of dark steel plate. So now think of oh yeah 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 it's an upgrade over dark steel plate. Yeah, just an immediate if that sees play upgrade right exactly. So yeah. like that is where this now is just that strict upgrade because it has that extra line of text that says when it enters attach it to a legendary creature. So mm-hmm. in commander, if you were playing dark steel plate, this is. Congratulations, you've now found a one-for-one. One. You can just swap this through, yeah. and it's just immediately better. Um, outside of that, I think you're right. There are a lot of uh, removal pieces that are like low-costed, you know, chain of vapor and like stuff like that that are just bouncy that totally undo your investment. Mm-hmm. So I, they're hard. Indestructible's not a top-tier effect. This doesn't stop. Like less and less so these days. Yeah. Yeah, It this stops... Or this doesn't stop a cyclonic rift, which nope. we have few yet, things do. Yes, we have yet to see an ability that stops a cyclonic rift. <laughs> That's yeah. not true. Ashaya, Ashaya has been my greatest. Upset. Oh, yeah. I'm yes. not even joking. Like as the blue player, <laughs> you're right. Ashaya consistently is my greatest upset in cyclonic rift snuffing. Yeah, I, I I wish we could have more effects like that. Yeah, um, that's a very good effect. Um, yeah. All right, yeah, that's pretty much all I got for Carlos. You're right. That yeah, I, I mean, a lot of the artifacts are super interesting and cool. Um, or, I mean, the equipments are interesting and cool. I just don't think any of them are that great. Where that want to play them. Very fair. Yeah. Like, right, let's get to some multicolor shit. Yeah, let's that's do it. That, f- I feel like that's where the meat is. Uh, should we just start so with Aragorn the Uniter? Four-color Aragorn. Yeah, let's I guess we got it. Uh, uh, Jordan, how quickly <laughs> did you turn away from this card? Because okay. you were hot on this card when yeah, it was Yeah, I mean, spoiled. we probably drilled like three decks in the first week it was spoiled. Um, but I know we built those decks and I realized, God, it's just not better than any other deck that exists right now. Yeah, so I'll, I'll read the card here. It is a red, green, white, blue, Aragorn the Uniter, legendary creature, human noble. Whenever you cast a white spell, create a 1-1 one, one white human soldier creature token. Whenever you cast a blue spell, scry 2. Whenever you cast a red spell, Aragorn the Uniter deals 3 damage to target opponent. Whenever you cast a green spell, target creature gets plus 4, plus 4 until end of turn. And Aragorn is a 5-5. Five, five. I believe it was... Uh, oh, that real hot on the mic. Um, I think it was you earlier in the episode who said that when they print these mythics, they like to have like four lines of text on there and... Yep. Make it there feel it like it has value. Make yeah. it feel like a mythic. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, and it does feel one for each like color. a mythic. Yeah. Uh, totally. Yeah, that's the one thing. It's just like, I'm getting bored of the, let's have five abilities for five colors. They each do the color thing. You know, the blue scries too, the blah, blah, blah. Whatever. Uh, we finally got that like legendary creature, whatever, that doesn't just have one color in its cost, though, for like truth mm. doing all of those things. Okay, so let's see if it can keep up with any commander like that. It can't. Uh, correct. Um, but so let's see. We were talking about it in the CDH sense, mostly because of the combo of food chain. Um, if you choose Squee as your uh, uh, instigator for the food chain combo, you will do infinite damage to the table, which I think is very interesting. On top of that, you can also run uh, lines like Dockside and Emil the Blessed. You can just that run is Money Pile. Uh, you cannot do that. Teamer uh, Sabertooth. Teamer Sabertooth. That's yeah. what I'm thinking about. Thank you about. And what was that? You can just run a Money Pile minus yeah. Black. Yeah, exactly. And then, yeah. you know, uh, we're looking at Cloudstone Curio lines. Then there's Gritting Ignis and uh, Bergy lines, stuff like that. So you could go the infinite route. There was like a Staxi build where you just can really take advantage of the commander's, you know, value aspect of things. But really when it comes down to it, it just doesn't get you any closer to winning the game than anything else. No. Uh, you, if, it's, if it literally just was four colors, five mana, ETB draw a card, it would be a better card. Yeah, there's a difference. There's a distortion of space and time when Kenrith lands. 
and when this lands, you know that like there's just an, a, a reeking sense of uh, oh, okay, food chain is coming because mm-hmm. you're just setting it up. It's sort of like when I play Shalai and Halar. Shalai and Halar is on the table. I probably have one of the two pieces in my hand. Is it almost bad for Aragorn versus Kenrith, where Kenrith gets to be anything? Correct. Yes. You know, you can play at a table yeah. three Kenriths, and they're all different. Decks. And you're not going to know what's going to happen because literally, it's just anything. Whereas Aragorn directs you kind of towards a strategy, even if you're just getting generic value out of each of the colors, all of your spells. It does lead you towards certain things. I will like. I will say that. People will find success with this, mm-hmm. like for sure. as a commander, they yeah, that's will. It's a good card. Yeah. Top sixteen yeah. in a tournament or something like that, for sure. And I think you could probably look it up on the Eminence like results, like top sixteen results, and see that someone has already taken it to top sixteen. Mm. You know, that player is just a good player, a good deck builder. Yeah, with a generically good card that exactly. enables him reach in four colors. Yes. Um, yeah. Do I think this is something that we see consistently at the top table? No. No. Uh, yeah, we gave up on it pretty quick. Yeah, both me and Guy kind of gave up on it after about a week of thinking about it. Um, but that being said, there's just so much cool stuff in this whole set to like build, either build around as a deck or put it in 99 and just lots of shake-em-ups, I feel. Yeah, I, I mean, I think as far as command commander-wise, uh, there's a few that stick out. Definitely a lot of 99 all-stars. Uh, I mean, I'm interested in building Samwise Gamgee. I think that's viable. Yeah, you've been you've been yeah. hot on this. What, what do you? What's your yeah, vibe? I mean, my original read was that Frodo and Sam as the partners is the better deck because you get the reach of black, you get the tutor density, you get a sort of easily procked Timna type effect on Frodo. Um, but the more I think about it, and the more I theorycraft it, I think the Samwise Gamgee situation where you're losing access to black mana. Um, and really focusing on the food synergies is just a better deck. I mean, you have plenty of creature tutors in green. You have plenty of interaction, mostly in white. And then you have all the main pieces that you need to go off with Academy Manufacturer, or if you want to do Rosy Cotton plus Scurry Oak. Um, and you're really just losing Cauldron Familiar and you know other wow. great black cards like uh, Dalthy Void Voidwalker and Orcish Bowmasters that are like you know just generically good black cards but in green white losing access to black i think you get a, a probably a more consistent deck and something that has an even higher ceiling as far as power level uh Samwise Gamgee is just a great card whenever a creature ETBs you create a food t- food token. Is it non-token? Yeah, non-token. N- uh, yeah, non-token creature ETB. So you create a food token. So if you want to, speaking of food chain, just use the uh, Eldrazi Horror line and go that way and then maybe cast a big Farmer Cotton or a big whatever X creature spell with that excess mana, get a million food tokens in the you know, in the trade-off. I-, I think it's pretty good. Plus, he has a second line of text. Sacrifice three foods. Return target historic card from your graveyard to the battlefield. To your hand, actually. To your to your hand. Um, but which is, which is going to be relevant. To me, actually, that is the ability I'm more excited about. Yeah. That can, is very interesting. Listen, somebody sees that Academy Manufacturer land and they're going to burn removal on it. Well, you got Perfect. plenty of food still to get it back. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that is, that kind of makes me think of like the old Kedis decks and stuff like that. 
um, you know, benefiting like historic recursion in some fashion. Mm. Uh, that that said, that was legendary specific. This is historic, so you actually get the benefits of uh, sagas, sagas artifacts, artifacts, and everything yep. too. Kethis, right? The Abzan. Yeah, is he historic? Uh, he is historic. Oh shit! Okay, yeah, yeah. All right, he cares about no, he cares he about, exclusively about legend. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so yeah, historic. You know, you get the benefit of just like recycling artifacts and everything too. So yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's very, very good. Yeah, but uh, that being said, I think Frodo and Sam also has legs. If you go on Reddit, um, on the CDH subreddit today, people were you know saying they think that might be one of the viable pairs. Which you know, Abzan isn't a great color combination. I I think uh it's rising here on the west coast it, it is yeah for sure Tayam uh, is seeing more and more play and that's where i think that yeah. engine really explodes yeah I, I i think you know i think frodo and sam is worth testing um i think any sort of abzan shell is worth testing if you're going into food strategies i'm personally i think going to go down the samwise gamgee path right yeah that'd be nice yeah um uh with Bowmasters introduced. I think that in with how white has developed with like Boromir and stuff like that, I do feel like Abzan didn't have a lot of representation before. It's going to have a lot more representation now because you have the cleanest Hulk pile I think we've seen in a long time. Oh, for sure. Involving yeah. Samwise. Yep. So, yeah, now just reading this, I know this is not a multicolor card, but the Peregrine took is really just gas for this food strategy. Getting yeah. to turn three foods into a card is awesome. Yes, I think uh, those like the uh, Mariadoc and Pippin, you know, stuff like that. They're going to be great enablers, probably in that strategy, that mm-hmm. deck you're talking sure. about. Yeah, Manu- they're that, in there. Yeah, we talked about how it uh, interacts with Academy Manufacturer as yeah. a replacement. And as you so. explained the math to me, if you have uh, Peregrine Took and Academy Manufacturer in play, it's you can stack it, you can order it, the triggers, right. so that you're going to get eventually two of each type of token. Yeah, and that's just for creating one, which yeah. is just nuts. Yep. So, yeah, I think Samwise Gamgee is one of the, has the highest ceiling as far as being in the 99 for decks. And you are talking about putting it at the helm of a deck. Yeah, I man. think you're going to sneak a lot of wins. Honestly, yeah. people won't see like food chain. Why totally. do you need food chain right now? You know, and you're like, oh, because I'm creating infinite foods and then I'm sacrificing three to return these to my hand and I will cast. Also, just two mana commanders, dude. Two mana commanders are good. That's yeah. just a lot of good value. Yeah. Yes, they are. Yeah, and and that <clears throat> even if you're not comboing off, a food token is not a dead effect. Like you know, if you have that commander in play, you might have been thrown off your strategy, but you have a way to recur some historic stuff from your graveyard. You have all these food tokens if you just need to stay alive for a while. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's you know you could probably do a deck tech on this. I well, hope you, I hope you would. I'm going to yeah. print this shit off. And then we'll do a deck tech. Boom. Hell yeah. Get some games in. Let me get some reps. Let's go. Two weeks out. Uh, just put a timeline on you for yeah. no reason. <laughs> um, okay. Let me uh, let me throw a deck at you. This is kind of a fun one. Okay. Um, so Demir Control, right? Uh, Nimrus has been one that has kind of honestly held, held its own a little bit. It, it pops up from time to time, right? I will say this. That is a card draw engine where this is not. But this pr- gives you an alternative. And that is Lord of the Nazgul. Mostly, I just want to justify playing this fucking deck. Um, it is a five mana, three and Demir, legendary creature, Wraith Noble. It is a flying four, three. Wraiths you control have protection from ring bearers. Not relevant. And then whenever you cast an instant or sorcery, create a three, three black wraith with menace, which is kind of fun. Then if you control nine or more wraiths, including your commander... Wraiths you control have power and toughness, 9-9. Nine, nine. 
I so here's the I'm thing. I'm still looking for this card. It's, <laughs> well, I it's, just in, it's in, uh, from the commander. It's in the commander. It's the commander. It's a commander card. Um, so I think that this card has potential not because of the wraith synergies, but because the Nazgul of which you can have nine in your deck. Uh, I think there's the ring tempts you. I think there's a viable build around. There's some powerful effects. Like, you know, if you look at what the ring does when you get tempted, it's a pretty good loot effect the second time it happens in the game. And if you can start consistently proccing that, you can just rip through your deck. Holy beat face. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery. Wow. Yeah. That didn't even register until like, yeah. I saw it in text. Holy shit. Yeah. So in my head, I'm playing a Demir control list. Yeah. I early game establish my draw engine and then interact for turns three through five. While I do that, I try and get this motherfucker out <laughs> and I just get as many three, three wraiths as possible. You are a punch face strategy type of guy. I mean, I'm yeah, sure. Paco. Yeah, that's true. I I like turning control into damage because yeah. that gives me like an outlet to start closing the game out instead of just countering everybody's shit and destroying everything, right? So this lets my um you know my countless removal spells and counter spells mean something. Uh, it just seems like a fun deck, and it feels like you know, uh, we've talked about how Demir has kind of has to prioritize Thoracle wins, which just gets to play um but we've also talked about how good uh demir stacks can be and some of the access that um some of the cards that it has access to that we don't see get played a lot i think you could put that in a build like this make it very controlling and you just get this nice little inevitable outlet of essentially unblockable monsters yeah i kind of want to buy this precon and see what it does yeah, I have no fucking idea. Yeah, there's a few cards in there that are more Grixis-focused that just create wraiths in general, which mm. is like, actually, I'm starting to see like the synergies there, and it looks like a really fun deck to like bust out the box and play. I like most cards that say, whenever you cast an instant or sorcery, do X. You know, Magecraft right. really does it for me, and this is, you know, a pretty promising one. Like, as a, a spell or like a in-your-hand mostly kind of guy, yeah. turning that into big old beefy boys... It's really great. It lets oh, me, big old beefy boys. Yeah, you like pad my life total, tons of blockers for days, flying a flying four three. Like it has a lot of good good text on it. Yeah, Archmage Meredith gets crazy in here. Yeah. I love that. Yes. You know what? I'm skeptical. I'm in. I mean, you I can like still- it. I want to see it. I want to play against it. It just seems like a fun deck. That's yeah, pretty much for sure. It. Now here's a fun deck in colors that I normally don't play in or dabble in at all. Okay. Sauron, the Dark Lord. Dude, I know. Oh, You're hot yeah. on it. I, you've actually kind of gotten me more on it. Actually, I'm into it. Yeah. So, uh, there's like five Saurons. Uh, the good one. This is the good one. This is, so. yeah, the mythic from the actual set, not the commander precons. Uh, it is a legendary creature avatar horror for three blue, black, red, a 7-6 with ward, sacrifice a legendary artifact or legendary Such creature. Such a good ward effect. Really hard to get around that. Not, I mean, sometimes not so much, but it does force your opponents to, like, sacrifice their commander. Exactly, right? Yeah. It forces a hard trade-off. Like, are you going to sack your commander to get rid of my commander? Just to target this thing. And, in which and case, I might have protection. Correct, yeah. Like, <laughs> you imagine you sack your commander, burn your only removal spell in hand, and then I counter that. Yeah, and I go, boop! Fierce guardianship for zero mana. Yeah, would you like to target it again? <laughs> Do you have anything else to target it with? Uh, or any more creatures or le- legendary creatures or legendary artifacts to sacrifice? Mm-hmm. Whenever an opponent casts a spell, a mass orcs one. Well, that's trash because that's never going to proc. When are, when are your opponents going to cast spells? Never. Yeah. Never. 
Have you guys ever heard of uh, Ishai, the <laughs> card that <laughs> consistently just murders people on like turn three? Yes, I've heard of that card. Uh, it's essentially that card. <laughs> Whenever an army you control deals combat damage to a player, the ring tempts you. Which is a good effect. It's a good effect. Yeah. It's fine. Uh, so um, we saw that last time. The first proc is creatures with power greater than the creature, uh, the ring bearer can't block it. So mm-hmm. it's a 7 6. You're probably making sore on your ring bearer. Um, nothing bigger than that. So, uh, and then whenever the ring tempts you, you may discard your hand. If you do, draw four cards. Oh, that's pretty good. Wow, that seems like it's good. And that's if, awesome. If you're doing that every turn, or maybe on every player's turn, or multiple times on each turn, because there's no limitation of once per turn attached to that effect. Right. Because this is what? an actually beat mythic that they printed. Yeah, it's a good card. Well, it says when it deals combat damage, right? Whenever an army you control deals combat damage to a ring player, you. the ring tempts you. So, see, so if, if you, you deal... Otherwise. Yeah, so whenever well, here, in army... So if you throw two armies because you have like the option of creating zombie army or like orc army... G- guys, not even relevant. Whenever the ring tempts you, unrelated to the first line of text right, about yeah. tempting. So call of the, call of the ring which is an enchantment in black, one black, one colorless, every upkeep, the ring is going to be tempting you, and you're also going to be paying two life to draw a card at that point off that card. Oh, shit. So there's lots, like I was saying, there's lots of good ring temps effect. I I don't know if I would build around it, but if you're playing this as your commander, I would definitely throw call the ring in there yeah look at those other cards that tempt you for me this seems to be so far the biggest ring tempting you payoff by far yeah no for sure as far as yeah definitely this is like this is the one we've been looking for we we were waiting for it and here it is i mean the second best one is frodo adventurous hobbit which is the uh frodo that partners with sam and that ring tempt payoff is limited to attacking with him and during combat what was that card you just said uh the black one uh call call the ring yeah call the ring uh funny thing about call the ring statistically it is the highest selling card in the set so far mm-hmm. i looked at uh, i saw on tcg player that there i think people no, are figuring this out right there's yeah. no more popular card in the set than it's got it it's the best ring, ring tempter. tempter yeah 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 fair enough i would like to really quick call out how wrong we were about what Merkwood bats is it's a three four or sorry it's, it's three and a black for a two three flyer and it says whenever you create or sacrifice a token each i tried opponent, to say that and evan told me i was wrong each opponent well, loses i thought it was life. only sacrifice sorry create or <laughs> sacrifice a token each opponent loses one life wow okay that's crazy <laughs> i mean that's good but it's also requires an extensive build around let's ban dark side <laughs> not worth yeah. saying like let's build it off let's let's ban it off the bat for yeah sure. let's yeah. be absolutely clear there are some cards in the set that are designed for commander it's clear to see that Sauron the Dark Lord is not going to see much play in modern or in many constructed formats in general. But there are some cards that are explicitly designed for limited or modern playability or, you know, limited constructed playability. I think Merkwood Bats is that limited constructed card. It just so incidentally uh, gets crazy when you translate it to Commander. Yeah. Yeah. Because... Yeah. Um, you know, you just talked about like Samwise Gamgee infinitely creating mm-hmm. food tokens. Mm-hmm. Like this just is another outlet. Yeah, them. but at the same time, like Markwood Bats, uh, Disciple of the Vault, Essence Warden, a million other things that 
do related things much cheaper. Yeah. Not in danger of getting banned. No, nope. yeah, I think Sauron's awesome. In my head, I was like, yeah, back to Sauron. Uh, reanimate strategy would be sick because you just discard your fatties. Hopefully, top four, you get to rip a reanimate. Yeah. Bing, bang, boom. And then your opponents are forced to interact, in which case, you will amass one orc. I love or it. Put a puzzle and puzzle encounter on the one. Yeah. Sauron the Dark Lord is sick. And I, I do you guys think that's like CDH viable or is that just strictly high powered? I do. Okay. I, I th- think. Yeah. I think. Uh, it, I mean, it doesn't read like a cdh card but i think if you put a very good grixis shell into a disgusting mid-range commander like this you'll get somewhere yeah because look it's exactly a very good grixis shell with a commander that has great protection is gonna just pump out creatures and is gonna draw you a shit ton of cards and if you're pursuing like ring tempt strategies call call the ring is in black uh man I think there's some payoffs there. I think it's a good-ass card. It's yeah. definitely... A, it is an a may ability as well. You may discard, and then if you do, draw four cards. So, yeah. like, there is the optional, you know, if there's something on the board hindering you, like a, a Spirit of the Labyrinth or something like that, you can choose not to discard, even if the ring tempts you through a, you know, a proc. Like, uh, yeah, the ring tempts you. Right. Uh, other uh, cool-ass big bomby commander I want to talk about is Saruman of Many Colors. You know what? That's a great transition because Saruman sort of, you know, in the Vorthos way, sort of uh, uh, submissive to to Sauron. And Saruman of Many Colors reads kind of similar, but a little bit worse. Uh, Yeah, I think he's pretty interesting. I like how they're exploring the new ward options. Uh, So this one also has ward. Sorry, Mm -hmm. he's three in Esper for 5-4. Ward, discard, an enchantment, instant, or sorcery card. Great. Pretty fucking awesome. Ward effect. Like, yeah. In my head, if you're going to like... Use, that's a big ask. Yeah, right if you're going to burn a removal spell, you're now being like, you're going to lose... It's a one-for-one one in a four-player game, and now you're having to use two cards for one. Yeah, and because and the cards that you're limited to are enchantments, instants, or sorceries. So if you're using removal on Saruman of Many Colors, you're probably burning a counter or your second piece of removal. Correct. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah, I got to like fucking chuck the Ristic study so I can kill this thing. So yeah. in which case, you're probably just not going to kill this thing. Yeah. Uh, enchantments also probably one of your combo pieces if you're yeah. if that's what you're doing. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so already great with Ward. Uh, and then his main ability and his only other ability is whenever you cast your second spell each turn... Each opponent mills two cards. Whenever or when one or more cards are milled this way, exile target enchantment, instant, or sorcery with equal or lesser mana value than the spell than that spell from the opponent's graveyard. Copy it, and you may cast it without paying its mana cost. So essentially, cast your second spell each turn. Everybody mills two except for yourself, and you, if it's something matches the CMC and that typing, you get to fucking rip it for free. Um, it just kind of reminds me of like a um, almost like an Esper version of that Simic Commander. Uh, Rashmi, uh, but in a very like more evilly vindictive kind of way. So let me get this right. Whenever, when one or more cards are milled this way, which you're automatically milling two, mm-hmm. so six cards. You're yeah. seeing six cards. Yeah. Exile target enchantment instant or sorcery card with equal or lesser mana value than the spell from an opponent's graveyard. You get to choose from any an of opponent's it. graveyard, yeah. not from the cards milled this way. Yes. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay, I see. So everybody mills two cards, six new cards go to the graveyard. As long as any of those graveyards meet that condition, you get to rip one of those cards for free. Wow. Yeah. I don't know. I I think it reads pretty good. I feel like, in effect, it's not that great. 
Uh, just because you're relying on cards from your opponent's deck, and then you're also relying on the RNG and a compliment, complicated series of if-then principles to see what you can actually play. Have you met me? That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My favorite kind of deck. Yeah, yeah right. I mean, if you want to play, like, Mousetrap, absolutely. I love playing with other people's cards. I think that's yeah. part of it. I love ripping into that. Yeah, here's the thing. It's six mana to get to, so you, like, uh, the odds of you casting two spells in a turn is, like is high right that we are seeing that that is something that happens it most every single turn i'm i i know it's gonna proc but right. when it procs what are what value what are you getting i see yeah yeah i mean because this isn't a great wheel deck this is yeah. not like there's no great payoff yeah let's let's go through the limitate like let's go through that line of text because it's a little confusing so when you cast that second spell which you will be able to proc probably not on the turn that he drops unfortunately right um that's where the your, board comes in. Yeah. There, six cards are going to get milled from the top of your opponent's libraries, right? Whatever the highest CMC of an enchantment instant or sorcery is from those six cards, you can then look at the other cards in, in their graveyard, which maybe they've been exiling with like Underworld Breach or other effects. And so who knows what, what there is to choose from. And it has to be a lower CMC. It has to be from that pool of cards. And it has to somehow advance your game plan. So there's lots of ifs for that I, to pay off. I hear you. But in CDH, all we're doing for the first five turns is using low-costed spells to advance our game plan. So I'm thinking okay. Mr. Yeah. Grimora's die, right? So you snag that bad boy. Oh, that's... That's actually a great target for this, yeah. yeah. Right, and that's a that's a one drop, you know. Um, mm -hmm. Any of the one drop top of deck tutors, enlightened tutor, worldly tutor, uh, vampiric tutor, imperial seal, those all we keep those in our hand. Gamble, we keep those in our hand in our snap uh, or in our opening hands because we can fire them off early game. Now all you, you say you brainstorm or you fire off. Now you get two tutors, something like that. Um, it just feels so conditional to me. Like I know there will be good stuff, but will that mix of the particular good stuff you have access to in that moment actually when you, useful to win you. you the game yeah like that no i feel it i feel it and that's why i think like if i was going to build a giant stompy esper deck like this it'd probably be marnius kelgar because he has the outlet on him and he gives you the draw advantage mm -hmm. has yeah. draw a card written on him yeah yep. he, he reads a lot lot that better. is kind of the minimum that you need to see in the command zone that's <laughs> a lot just, of time you i know. love this yeah. weird fucking ability bro <laughs> it's just so weird and good okay last uh big color stompy commander i want to talk about is tom bombadil dude Ooh, okay about that's fun fucking time sagas have been gas and we've been talking about like the leader of the pact right such an important character in the books and yeah. this actually makes sagas viable in this format uh, for once, not in CDH probably, but it's so it's so fun. So it is uh, a Wooberg for a four four Godbard, which is just so sick. Uh, as long as there are four more lore counters among sagas you control, Tom has hexproof and indestructible. Love that. And then whenever the final chapter ability of a saga you control resolves, reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a saga card. Put that onto the battlefield and the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. It sounds like a fun, irritating deck to play against. You finish a saga, yeah. you get another saga. Talk yeah. about Flux Channeler being good. Dude, Flux Channeler goes fucking nuts in this. Yeah, um, the fact that he gets hexproof and indestructible just by having multiple sagas on the battlefield. That I makes think it's play every be, saga with board wipes. I feel like it's mm -hmm. going to be very easy to proc. Yeah. Like, and that's one of those things that he is going to stick to the field like glue. He's going to be yeah. really hard to get rid of. Um, hey, you know what? There's some powerful cards with sagas on the back of them. 
uh, the last Praetor cycle. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> and you can play Holy all of them. Shit, right? But you can't yeah. put it. You can't flip them off the top, unfortunately. Yeah. With with Tom Bomba, still worth though. Still worth. <laughs> yes, it's still worth because if you're playing any sort of like proliferate and you finally trigger the last saga on that and it flips back into a creature, you still get the Tom Bombadil. Yeah. So. Um, that's so just, fun. Just a quick rewind to the two previous creatures, Saruman and Sauron, that we talked about with Ward mm-hmm. and versus Hexproof and Indestructible. There is moments where I feel like Ward is way stronger. No, uh, it is. Yeah. and When now, you're asking for resources from the opponent now, yep. it actually becomes stronger. It's so good. Yep. And we talked about like Mithril Coat just not being enough. And now we're seeing Tom Bombadil where it's like, oh, if you tie Hexproof and Indestructible to one another, it actually is enough. Yeah. Right? That's kind of like the minimum, right? It's like Hexproof is good, right? But now you need to tie Hexproof and Indestructible together in order to meet an equivalent value for some of these ward effects. Mm-hmm. These ward yep. effects are getting fucking hot. No, wild. ward is terrific. Like, I, I feel like even, like, ward two is, like, the floor for something for it to be really good. And that is not a lot. Is ward yes. three is don't even fucking think about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, we've seen that with Tevit, right? It's yeah. like... Uh, and then even... Well, it's just a, such a huge jump. Whenever something says, give something ward one, I go, you know, whatever. You know, I'll pay the one, whatever. And then as soon as it goes to ward two, I'm like, oh, yeah. God. Like, it's like paying for a fucking smothering tithe. You're just not going to do it. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. We were just talking about the amount of low-costed spells in CDH. Like, all right, so ward two is now the choice between a second spell. Yeah. And, and, you know... Right. Yeah. Uh, so back to Tom Bombadil. I think Tom the, Bombadil. Tom Bombadil uh, is really great. I want to build it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really fun. And there's a there's so many sagas out there. So many more than even last time we even looked at building yeah. a saga. Sagas yeah. that don't see play because they're not that great in a vacuum. But when you start getting some synergies together and you want to just take some game actions and move some counters around and just be a silly little guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do it. Yeah. <laughs> There's got to be a few artifacts out there that hold on to like lore counters, right? Um, I mean, can you move the Ozolith? Does that hold on to lore counters? Yeah, yeah, it holds, actually, it holds on to all counters. But it just transfers only put on them to creatures. Ooh. But hmm. I mean, Wait, is but, it from creature only or no? It only at the beginning of your. Uh, I'm not even gonna look up the card, but at the beginning of combat on your you put turn all counters. Yeah, it has to be. It can transfer them onto a creature, Word. but it takes them. It takes all counters. I think. Yeah, but there's that resource. I don't know. Why would we look that up? Well, there is uh, resourceful defense, I think okay. is what the card is called. It's two and a white enchantment that allows Guys, you, you to you have pay. access to every color of mana. There's something that does Yeah, whenever yeah. a creature you control leaves the battlefield. Okay. Yeah, so I think resourceful defense is, is it, but it uh, it allows you to pay a certain amount of mana. I think it's like three or four, mm-hmm. and you can move any number of counters from a permanent to a permanent. Okay. So there, and then whenever a permanent leaves a battlefield if it had counters on it you get to transfer those to another permanent so Got it. i think there's potential to like with resourceful defense as long as it does say permanence quick uh looking up of a card will reveal that okay be just a second uh well but that means you could chain all of your sagas if it works the way that i'm i'm, I'm thinking about it i just, don't know what you're talking about Balatho. Uh, it was from oh uh, it was from new capenna so 
Two in a white, whenever a permanent you control leaves the battlefield, if it had counters on it, which it will, mm-hmm. put those counters on target permanent you control. So yes, it does work that way, Hilarious. where you could literally, once a saga finishes, you move all those counters to uh-huh. the next saga. That one chains Prox Has Tom Bombadil, chains Prox Pom- Tom Bombadil, chains, and then those will have resolved. Do you get every ability? You would happens? get every saga in your library. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. But I mean, on a saga, say it's like you're on one and needs to get to three. If you put five counters on all of a sudden, it just hits, <laughs> hits each one, right? I don't know. Because it'd be like, blah, 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 blah. I, I mean, I feel like the design team isn't far off from printing an effect that says all sagas you have have read ahead. Ooh. Right? More saga support. I think it's a very fun mechanic. And like now that we're getting creatures that flip into it and enchantments that flip into it or whatever, it's just like we're exploring more and more. And then mm-hmm. now we have commanders to front head or frontline that. I think it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, moving yeah. on. Unless you got something. No, no I, I want to talk I mean, about the card you're about to talk about. Yes. Lotho, Corrupt Sheriff. We've been talking about this a lot. This, um, this little guy rips. This guy rips. Ritter, you were talking about building his deck. Yeah. We're obviously all talking about putting the 99 if you can afford yeah, it. Yeah, if, if you want to read the card, just let's read. rattle it off. Okay, it is a uh, two mana card, a one white, one black for a halfling rogue, two one. Whenever a player casts their second spell each turn, you lose one life and create a treasure token. That is fucking awesome. That's great in the 99. My argument is it might be worth building as the commander because Orzhov doesn't have any especially tasty commanders or especially tasty uh, commander partner combinations. Maybe Tevishat, Yoshimaru is is a fringy thing. But at 2CMC and you're creating treasure tokens... It's worth thinking about. Bro, what's that party stacks deck we're talking Nalia about? Nalia Dearnese. Nalia Dearnese, yeah. bro. This card loves that. <laughs> I was yeah. As soon as you said it's a rogue, I was like, he's thinking about Nalia. Nalia, bro. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, this is absolutely a great card. And I just think, I mean, Blue Farm is just going to gobble this up, I think. But mm-hmm. I think a lot of uh, high-color stacks decks, or not stacks decks, high-color uh, decks are going to take advantage of this. Like, yeah. why would you not? I mean, Nalia, I feel like there is a stacks build of that that just needs a few pieces to get out of that fringy space. It is one, one oh, piece just, closer. You've been yeah. playing Orzov a lot, and I think Orzov just has gotten better and better and better and better. Mm-hmm. You know, first you, it was just like white bringing down black, which was a very strong color, and now all of a sudden, black is supporting a very strong color of white that you now get to tutor all of your fucking awesome white cards. Funny how the script reversed like that. Yeah, and uh, no, it's becoming much more viable, and uh, yeah, this and is a fun-ass card. You know what I love, too? The typing of Rogue, because for Nalia, to complete your party... You have so many great clerics. Too many fucking clerics. Uh, rogue might be the second most populated category for party. But and still, if that it's a rogue instead of a cleric, thank God. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Nalia is a rogue. So it like it does fit like when Nalia gets removed. Your like, other party payoffs and everything. This yep. does allow like things like, uh, what's his face? The choose a background guy that attacks and gets treasures for... Oh, uh, Barakos. Barakos. Yeah, yeah Barakos is great. Yeah. You know, so like it allows you to continue proccing that, which mm-hmm. I think is great. My question is, why didn't we get any more party mechanics out of this set? No, uh, that's funny because there's. I, I think they want to keep the IPs distinct. Yeah, um, I, I think party is going to be limited to their forays into their D&D. We just need more IP. of it. We yeah. need some so, party love, you know? Um, that being said, We're just party boys. Lotho, party boys. we got word from our good buddy Margarita Pizza on the Discord server mm-hmm. that uh, it's time to buy on the Lotho because 
it went crazy at a CDH tournament this past weekend. Yeah, yeah no, that, it's a great card. It's a, it, I think it's really good. Yeah, it was at SCG Baltimore, and he said it was yeah. just everybody was popping off with it. It, yeah. it is, I think it's very good, and we'll be seeing a lot of CDH decks and probably some other decks. Like, I think you see it as I see it as a much cheaper smothering tithe. Like we talked about earlier with like Saruman, yeah. whenever you cast your second spell. Pretty much every player at the table is going to cast two spells unless something is limiting it, like a deafening silence or a rule of law. Yo, and you know what, too? Orzhov, outside of rituals, does not have great ramp. Yeah. Man, yes. these treasure tokens are really going to come in useful. There are so many times, where, like, like I've built Nalia, I've built a- and stuff, and there's so many times where it just dawdles because your curve's not even that high, but you just don't have good ramp slash good card draw to just hit those lands. Um, that you have in other colors. Here's right. something I want to point out. So we've been kind of going on this progression of two mana creatures that have the ability, whenever a player or whenever somebody casts their second spell, each turn, blank. So it started off with Ledger Shredder, mm. which we figured out was not good enough because looting for two mana is not good enough. Glad I sold them when I did. Correct. Right? And then we're like, all right, Fairy Mastermind, clear, strict upgrade. You get the draw instead of loot. Not good enough. Right. We're not playing it. Nobody wants to play it anymore. Lotho now comes in offering the exact same line of text that whenever a player casts their spell each turn, the second spell each turn, do something. Yeah. But it, it's the treasure, I think, is just 100% enough to justify it. And at the same time, if this if Lotho was two blue mana, he would be trash for this effect, I think. Do you think just blue outpaces it as far Yeah, I think blue outpaces. I think it's the color combination plus treasures just being a really great effect. Yeah, I, I I just think yeah, I think we don't want that the draw effects at that at that price point is what we're what we've seen. Like we either want a better draw engine up front like Rhystic Study or we want something cheaper like Myth- Mystic Remora. We need something to generate mana in this two mana treasure machine, bro. Yes. Yep. That has not happened yet. You're likely that's that's what I was saying earlier with like um saying that you know, it's likely that a player casts two spells in their turn unless they're limited, is that now you are going three mana ahead, potentially, and I think the chances of that are high. Yep. Like, you lose three life, who gives a fuck? Yeah. Like, Guys, you can cast this turn two just without acceleration, and then your next turn, turn three, you just have the mana to add nause without ritualing. And yeah. let's be clear, it's whenever a player casts their second spell. It's not even just your opponents. So you, you, can, too. you can actually cast it and then drop a rock and get a trap. Wow. You yep. actually get to ritual off like, yep. pretty much every turn. Yeah, and that's the thing about like smuggler share and like monologue tax and cards like that. It's when your opponents do. Yeah, how many times have you like just been one mana short or one color off? And he's just like, Well, did you cast two spells this turn? Fucking go get it, dude. It's funny yeah. that Smuggler shares ass for that reason. Yep. So, yeah. No, I think I, I'm very hyped, and I will be going to pick up a few of these. Yeah. Terrific card. I'm still waiting for the Borderless Foils to go on sale. They haven't yet. Guys, I'm going to say something possibly controversial, definitely very brave. It's that Lotho is going to be probably the money card below Orcish Bowmasters Bo when this, this all settles. Yes. Well, yeah. I feel that, dude. 100%. Thank you for appreciating my bravery. <laughs> you are brave yeah. for saying that, and I see you. I will say that it will be likely just as popular. I think that Orchestra Spellmaster is just generally good, yeah, and it will go into every black deck because it, that's how generically good it is, just like Opposition Agent. If it does not get banned, if it does, it, I am overreacting, and it does not get banned, then this will definitely be in second place, and it'll be very close second. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, here's something I kind of want to talk about. Sure. Uh, Galadriel of 
Lothlorien. Oh, I had that on my list. How'd as well. I do? Did yeah. I do okay? Okay. Uh, yeah, you did great. Okay, awesome. So, uh, speaking of you know uh, Sauron and potentially the, not even potentially, he is the best fucking tempting payoff for sure in the set. This one is worth talking about. I think it's Simic, uh, one green blue for an elf noble three three, and finally an elf gets to do something cool that is not make more elves or make more mana. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever the ring tempts you, if you choose a creature other than Gladriel of Lothlorien uh, as your ring bearer, scry three, which is, I think, right about where scry starts getting interesting to me is when I get to scry yeah, three. No, it's not bad at all. Um, for a three mana creature too, not bad. Uh, okay, and then whenever you scry, you may reveal the top card of your library. If a land card is revealed this way, put it onto the battlefield tapped. So that borderline reads like a Thrasios activation. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, there's, part of it. there's lots of scrying that you can do, and there's also some other scry payoffs in this set, such as Elrond, Master of Healing. Um, there's Elven Chorus, which is a pretty decent, like, scry three cost one green effect in this uh I don't know if that one doesn't tempt you, right? No, Elven Chorus is the enchantment. There's Elven Farsight or something. Something of that nature. But there's some good scry payoffs. Uh, I think it reads really good. Yeah, we're seeing yeah. green, blue, elf scry uh, is kind of a, a thing in this set. But I think this is an interesting card. Yeah, there's also, uh, I think it's the Temporal Anchor or something that was printed in Brothers War. that gives you some additional scry payoffs. It might be worth... You know, yeah. throwing that crap together and seeing what happens. I could see you just like incidentally scrying and then like, just to be clear, when you scry, you resolve that ability. So then you could leave the land on top to then get yes. with Gladriel. Yep. And let's be absolutely clear. There's a card that Chris loves a whole lot. That's really great in this deck. It doesn't say scry on it, but it does set you up for the trigger. Is it Mary's Guile? It is Mary's Guile! <laughs> Guile. And <laughs> just to be clear, I do yeah. love that card. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Great card. Absolutely Much better than card. Sylvan Library. And Sylvan Library is actually good in this deck, too, because you don't need to pay the eight life, mm. you know, or whatever. You can actually just pay four life or whatever, put the land back on top, and then scry one. Because guess what? Opt is a card, and it's great. Yeah. You know, you can actually put two back and then draw the top card and then reveal the top, and it's a land. Comes to the battlefield. You know, Thrasios goes in this deck, too, because it's just like scry one, then do your stuff, and after that resolves, this is going to proc potentially getting you two lands in the process. Okay, I would like to now talk about a devastating new upgrade to Winota. Let's <laughs> yeah, go. let's go. Uh, Eowyn, Fearless Knight. Two red, white for a human knight, three, four. With haste, uh, whenever she enters the battlefield, exile target creature and opponent controls with greater power. So you get to remove anything that might be you know, causing, causing some stink. And then legendary creatures you control gain protection from each of that creature's colors until end of turn. You yeah. play a lot of legendary creatures in yeah. that deck. Uh, definitely some Dees Boros options to consider for Winota in this deck. I, I think it's just a matter of competing for slots. Totally. And yeah. I think there's probably like eight cards you could consider, you could consider for Winota in the set that just came out. Yeah, like Mary Esquire of Rohan. Oh, what I'm looking he, at. Here's the yeah. one that everybody has actually been talking about online for Winota is Theoden, King of Rohan. He's the one red, white, two, three human noble. Uh, whenever he or another human enters the battlefield under control, target creature gains double strength. Yeah, that's right. Turn. Yeah, but Which, I, so good. Does it take the place of Blade Historian? Exactly. Or is it another Blade Historian? Because Blade Historian, in my opinion, is like one of the best win conditions in that deck. You, that comes out. Jeej. Yeah, GG. Yeah. yeah, you're right. So Your this history. Is, this is the second one at three mana. So like even just casting that doesn't feel bad. 
I think it's pretty good. No, nope. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think there's definitely options, and it's just a matter of like, well, looking at your slots. What do you want to put in at that CMC on the curve? Yeah, yeah. and uh, another legendary creature in the same wheel of color, Shadowfax, Lord of Horses. Uh, I just want to point it Yo. out that Shadowfax truly does show us the meaning of haste. Mm. <laughs> Quite flavorful. It's pretty Super, funny. Yeah, uh, they they threw a lot of meat to the Vorthos crowd. They yeah, really did. Set. Yeah, it's beautiful artwork and beautiful card. Also potential Winota card. <laughs> and a potential Winota card because it has haste. Uh, just, are there any other multicolored cards that you guys want to talk about? I mean, there's cards we can talk about, but I think we... I think we talked we, about we all the, hit stuff, the, big ones. the fun stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah, get your Lothos. Lotho? 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 Lotho. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Everyone's going to say it differently, and we're going to be those content creators that say it like like, like idiots. Yeah, let me just set this, the precedent right now for saying it long, wrong. How do you say it? Lotho. 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 Guys, I'm from New Jersey. I am blameless on any pronunciation. <laughs> Not my fault. <laughs> All right. Are there are there any other topics we need to talk about? Yes, there are actually. What's up? Make sure you like and subscribe and uh, follow us on YouTube. Yeah. You guys are fucking awesome. If you made it this far through the podcast, you're a real diehard fan and we appreciate you. Yep. You guys can look forward to us developing a live gameplay stream. We're also going to be uh, recording gameplay and putting it up on the YouTube channel. So look forward to that. You can uh, subscribe early so you can... Uh, see it right away yeah, and don't, hit that bell for don't notifications do it. Oh, oh guys i have something important too uh speaking of the discord i have to give a shout out to user k mr k who was the person that put uh his sam's potatoes deck list is what put the idea in my head for cmi's gamji and that is now the commander i'm hot on out of this set so thank you uh we love interacting with the discord it's actually it's super rad we've built uh, so many decks already from just lord of the Rings spoilers yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's it's great. I, w- I would love if we had like fervent conversations every single day. Let's do it. Does, yeah, yeah, it happens almost every single day. That's my favorite like thing I'm is a, I don't yeah. participate for a day and then I look in and it's still, convo's still going. Yep, yeah. love it. So yeah, love you guys. make sure uh, you stop through. Thank you guys for listening to the Mock Stars Podcast. Bye. Bye-bye. Peace.